Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Bitcoin ATM podcast. My name is Ted Stevenow, and I'm here today with the sales manager from our company, Chainbytes, is Keith Smith. Hello, everybody. So say hello to Keith. Keith, there he is. Hi, Keith. Hello, everybody. My name is Keith. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about we're going to talk about what to look for in a Bitcoin ATM manufacturer. And we'll kind of take a like a road to that through through sort of a, a understanding the business and you know what what kind of things are important as relate to the machinery. So, but before we really kick things off, you know, formally, I just let's meet Keith. I mean, so Keith, um, I mean, Chainbytes is a Bitcoin ATM manufacturer. Um, you're the sales manager, so you're you're responsible for talking to new people about machines and making sure they get set up and ordering. And um, how did you find Chainbytes? How did you first get involved? So well, with Chain Bites, I uh, I met Eric, and so it, it was a funny circumstance. We ended up discussing uh, some other things relating to cryptocurrency, and he was like, "Hey, you know, I'd love you to come to one of my Bitcoin meetups." And I was like, "Yeah, I'd love to come to a Bitcoin meetup." So you know, I showed up about an hour early, and we just talked for an hour, and he introduced me to Bitcoin ATMs, and you know, gave me a lot of thing, a lot of knowledge I didn't know about them. Um, I had been in Bitcoin for quite a few years and been involved in uh, different, you know, cryptocurrency projects. So it, it was all, you know, like a crash course for me. And then I kind of tumbled down the rabbit hole and I just uh, obsessively asked him and Jane so many questions and tried to learn as much as I possibly can about the industry. And I went, you know, head over heels into it. And I've been here ever since. When did you first see the light or, you know, like get, get your, your you know, major introduction? I had heard about Bitcoin when it first, when it was first created, I, you know, I, I, I kept, you know, kind of like in that whole, uh, alternative eco system. I was, I was interested in it. Um, I, I didn't really see its utility. Um, I didn't see it as like, other than like, maybe like a pet project and actually becoming anything. And so it was probably around 20, and I had been offered a lot of Bitcoin too, like by people like, you know, here's 220 Bitcoin for 20 bucks. And I'm like, nah, I'd rather not, you know? And so there's a lot of regrets on, on you know, on that end of things, but you know, it, it boiled down to, I ended up having a debate with a banker and I'm pretty, pretty good at debating. And I, and I really didn't want to lose a debate to a banker about economics or, you know, monetary systems, and I was a big gold bug. And so I saw, you know, like gold and silver and other alternative currencies like Ithaca Hours and Mountain Hours, which no longer exist, but were localized currencies that helped keep money in impoverished areas. So it was like paper coupons, essentially. And so I was debating him, and, and I felt that I was kind of losing the debate, and then I brought up Bitcoin. I was just like, and Bitcoin, you know, and, and then he just stopped me. He's like, wait, what's Bitcoin? Tell me more about Bitcoin. And I'm like, well, you know, it's a decentralized cryptocurrency. It's on the internet. <laughs> That's exactly. about all I know. <laughs> you know, I didn't know what I was talking about. So I kind of lost the debate. Well, I don't yeah. like losing debates. So I set out to prove that Bitcoin was going to fail. I was, there was no way there was as gold as, or good as gold and silver. Right. So I set out on that, you know, venture. And I find out there's not much information, you know, about Bitcoin. This is probably uh, 2012. Right. And, you know, I had to dive deep into all the threads, uh, Bitcoin Talk, Reddit. And I, I keep on finding these posts. And I'm starting to build a picture of what Bitcoin is and how it works. And there still was just nothing out there about Bitcoin. So I actually, you know, I, I have some experience. I, I used to develop when I was younger. So mm -hmm. I was like, well, you know, 
I'm going to look at the code. I'm going to see what this is. You know, it's an open source project. I can look at it. So I started looking at it. And then I started putting everything together. And then it clicked. And when it yeah. clicked, I was like, this is everything that gold isn't for a good reason. Like, this right. is better than gold. And right. then I just went, I, I had to get some those people to know. Uh, Mt. Gox was a big situation with Bitcoin. We're a big exchange. It used to be like the only exchange around. It went under. And so mm -hmm. I was looking to get Bitcoin and I was reading uh, Reddit threads and seeing that, you know, everybody's talking about, oh, I sent a bank wire to Mt. Gox. I've never seen my fund show. And I'm like, right. I can't send money to Japan to sure. buy Bitcoin and then lose my money. You know, so I, I didn't do it. And I was trying to find people, miners and whatnot, that would sell me Bitcoin. Right. This is 2013. Well, like literally nine months later, I finally find somebody. Oh. You know, I'm trying to get Bitcoin. And I went down to Philadelphia and because uh, I don't live too far. I, well, I do now, but I didn't live too far from Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And I went down to Center City, Philly, and I, I met with a friend and I bought my first Bitcoin. He showed me how to uh, trade crypto stocks and uh, uh, altcoins. And, uh, you know, like I first thing I he showed me was Dogecoin. And I was like, I'm going to buy me some of that. And so <laughs> I've been, you know, big fan of Dogecoin, Bitcoin ever since. Yeah, that's great. Same time period. I was super involved with some uh, just like a, well, it was a big political wave back in the day, you know, and I hung out with all these freedom libertarian guys and and uh, and it just came up one day, man. I, 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 I we were doing so many other things. It just, I wish I'd paid closer attention, you know, and we and these guys, the guys were doing it and it was right at the Mt. Gox time. And uh, in fact, we had a we had a meeting where we invited the speaker in to talk about uh, just some freedom stuff and 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 uh as a door prize we gave away this thumb drive with five bitcoins on it and i remember the lady this the people the person who won it she what's this i mean i don't you know what i mean i bet she threw it away or lost it or something and uh but it was it was it was really i mean i i came in contact with it really early but then i just got swept off on other issues and it was in the back of my mind it wasn't until you know recent recent last last couple of years that i really uh looked back into it and then uh, man, it's just uh, uh, changed my perspective on so many things. It's uh, maybe some day we'll do a show where we just talk about Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, it's really um, uh, like been life changing in many ways. Uh, just not not just you know uh, as a, like a money thing, but just as a concept. I mean, the fact that people can store the value of the work they do and something rare and valuable, just the same as their time. Man, that's like a life-changing thing. I think that, you know, we're going to look forward maybe 500 years from now and they're going to remember this. I think this is going to be a significant thing that happened at this time because we've it's it's a technology that the humans have needed this ever since they've, you know, became self-aware. Um and it's it's uh really uh, it's also very empowering to to people everywhere. So it's just really I mean, and that's a good segue into into our into our show. You know, Bitcoin ATMs one of the reasons I think that they're they're very important to the world is because they provide an on-ramp for for regular folks to, to get involved in the crypto space and and it's it's key not not just in the u.s but all around the world and the fact that you can just exchange you can exchange fiat currency for to, to for for bitcoin you just oh it's a it's an on-ramp it's a portal into into this new this new world um so so yeah so just you know when you look at bitcoin atms i mean you're 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 the <laughs> expert in this now um, for sure. Um, so when you see people getting involved, I guess we'll, we'll kind of break this into two to kind of a, a fork in the road. But 
you see we think about consumers for first maybe um you see people getting involved like what where do you see bitcoin ATMs in the eco in bitcoin atms in the ecosystem i mean what what i mean what purposes do they do you serve do, you, do they serve do you agree that they're mainly serve as an on-ramp for for regular folks what, what like what else are they doing they're the gateway <laughs> so yeah. they are like uh they're an on-ramp for people that don't have banking and bitcoin's whole purpose is to bank the unbanked. So here we have these Bitcoin ATMs, and what they essentially operate like is, uh, I talked to a customer today, and he gave a great analogy of it, and I've given this analogy to many customers, but he's the first one that got it himself. They're much like you being a gold dealer or a silver dealer. And what you're doing is you're, you're selling some of your Bitcoin, and you're marking up your price because it is real Bitcoin. This is not Bitcoin that's you know paper-traded Bitcoin. When the customer takes possession, they take immediate possession. That's their keys and it's their Bitcoin they can do with whatever they want. It's theirs. It's their Bitcoin. And so that has more value than Bitcoin that's locked up <laughs> and you can't touch, you know. It serves as an on-ramp for customers into into uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and into the whole ecosystem. But it also serves a, in some countries as an off-ramp like what we see in El Salvador. So what it's doing is it's allowing people to transfer wealth from point A to point B without all the, you know, setting all the intermediaries, all the all the people in the middle that are sitting there uh, looking to get their cut of the pie. Right, 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 right. And so that benefits them in the short term, but in the long term, it exposes them to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So now they're looking at, at, at Bitcoin and cryptocurrency as not just you know, a way to send money, but hey, as a way to save money. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. All right, so so now, it, the, and the combination of the two are astonishing. Like when we we do business or talk to people around the world, it's amazing when I, I had no idea before getting into this space how difficult remittances were. Just you want to send 50 bucks to somebody in another country. It's just like, it's it's difficult. I mean, depending on the banking system, people, people don't, if they don't have the connection to be able to make that to facilitate that transaction easily, you got to go through all these intermediaries, and it's really a big pain. It's 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 almost miraculous that you can send Bitcoin anywhere you want, uh, and the and the impedances aren't there. Uh, so so you know, and there's certainly a market for people who who you know in the United States want to send money home, right, or around the world. So you know, looking at things from a user standpoint, let's 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 shift and say, okay, well, so when people get involved in the Bitcoin ATM business, like what, what like what do they look like? What what is the you know what's the thought there? Is, these are mostly people just adding to their current businesses, or are they people starting brand new, or what? what what's a, what's the landscape look like? It, 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 it's usually uh, it's people that want to make money. Okay. So you know, like they want to make money, so they're usually uh, business owners already. Um, so they're looking at you know the best possible way to maximize their investment into a business that where they spend their time and their energy and their investment, they're going to see a return on that. So uh, we, we do see a lot of ATM operators. Why? Because they're, they're already geared towards the cash logistics, the, uh, you know, like uh, taking these uh, Bitcoin ATM machines and moving them and placing them places, just like they do with their other ATMs. And they use it as a complement, a way to complement their existing ATM business. Uh, the ATM business itself is, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty full of people that are in it. And so there's a you know a lot of ATMs out there. So to be able to add this to your uh, offering, what you're and what some ATM operators are doing is like, hey, look, we'll put a surf surf free charge ATM at your location, 
gas station owners really happy. Why? Because people prefer to not have fees when they're withdrawing money. Right. So right. they want to use that ATM. Ah. And, they, and then they say, not just that, we're going to pay you a couple hundred bucks to put a Bitcoin ATM right next to it. Okay. And so the combination so then, of the... Okay. <laughs> okay the com- yeah, it's more money. And that's way more money than they would ever see off that traditional ATM. Okay. So now how does somebody that doesn't have a Bitcoin ATM, who's in the ATM business, how do they compete with another ATM operator that's offering that kind of money? They can't. Right. So it's reached a point that those that are in the ATM business and get in the Bitcoin ATMs are they're they're spearheading it, but they're going they're going like they're like great white sharks. They're just going right through <laughs> and trying to take all the locations they can. Why? Because why not? You know, I mean, this is how this is how they compete with their competition. And it fits into their business model because they're, for the most part, they've already got relationships with people who who have ATMs in their stores at their locations. So, um, you know, pa- pairing the two is is make makes perfect sense. Then the other side of it too is that they're they're also people that are experienced with just logistics, like cash and cash management, dealing with recyclers, you know, the, the machines and the the kind of issues that come up with machines that deal with cash, I guess problem solvers i mean because you know like uh the way you make money in business is you solve problems Fair. well there's going to be problems that you run into in any business the same applies for bitcoin atm business and what you have to do is you have to create solutions to those problems and then you make money you know and so people that are not afraid to take the risk and to you know provide solutions to problems that exist which includes how do you get bitcoin how do you get Bitcoin to people? How do you get the people to the Bitcoin ATM machines? These are all problems that need solving. Now, there's solutions and there's tried, you know, and tested measures that a lot of operators have found success in. But, you know, it takes somebody that needs that is a business mind and wants to actually succeed. So, you know, that's one of the reasons we're geared towards fleet operations, because people that are like, look, I just need to get some ATMs, get them out there, and I will learn. I'm going to make it happen. I, you know, I have no fear, you know, and that's the, that's the, that, that's the type of mentality you need. So, so I should, I should ask too, when you look at the ecosystem of, I don't have, I don't have a single word that fits because we say operator, but there are also a couple other models, right? I mean, there's so, so people can have different levels of commitment and, and get into the space. Um, so, for example, we the, the, and the three words I'm thinking of are host, partner, and operator. And maybe maybe you could help define those three terms and, and kind of what they are and, and how they relate to level of involvement. With operator, I guess you know being the most involved at the t- at the top. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I guess I'd add a fourth uh, manufacturer. Like, so we're the manufacturer and the software developer. We build these ATMs. We built the software on the front end where the customers are buying and selling, and we built the software on the back end that helps the operator manage their entire ATM operation. Then there's the operator. Now, what they're doing is they're using that software. They're managing the Bitcoin. They're managing the KYC and AML. That's Know Your Customer Anti-Money Laundering for the federal government. Uh, They're managing any additional licensing on the state level. They're managing the cash, and they're managing the customer support for people to call the phone number, you know, because they need assistance at the Bitcoin ATM. Um, but they also have to handle the logistics of moving these machines and you know, the cash and, you know, uh, the, the landlords negotiating rent with the gas stations and securing these locations. Now, so the operator does all that. Um, then there's, you know, like 
the actual location itself. They're basically a landlord, and all they're doing is they're collecting a monthly fee, sometimes a percentage, but we usually recommend against that because only a few operators will give a percentage. Uh, but it's typically a monthly fee for the location because it's four square feet of space. It's not much, but it's uh, really profitable four square feet of space. Right, right. You're going to make more make more with that four square, four square feet than you would selling potato chips. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then there's an addition then there's another there's another one where the the operator operates as like a, a payment processor so they hit they handle the cash the the bitcoin the customer support the kyc aml okay so they handle the operation they handle the software okay okay anything that's wrong with the atm they're, they're taking care of that but then the the location buys the bitcoin atm okay and the location and them split Okay. They come to an agreement on a percentage that goes to the gas station owner, and then the other percentage goes to the operator who's doing all the work. Right, and that's kind of the partner model. I mean, typically, that's what we, yes. we think yes. about. Yes, and it, it, that's a partnership model. Yes, and we have operators that do that. So, and so, but in the simplest level, so someone if they're a host, they're basically providing space, uh, electricity, and internet. These are, and I, well, and I guess so. If you're a host, does the host do the marketing, or does the operator do the marketing for the host? It's a combination. Well, you know, it's a uh, it, the, the operator usually handles all the marketing. Okay. But if you're a host, it's in your best interest to have customers that enjoy things in your store. Sure. So if a customer needs help with the Bitcoin ATM, it would be wise to know how the Bitcoin ATM works. Right. Because now you're going to help that customer. They're going to have a pleasurable experience. They're going to enjoy your store. They're going to buy more things at your store. Right. You want these customers using this Bitcoin ATM. So there's some incentive there, and some operators they build good relationships with the, with their hosts. Okay. Um, they'll they'll do things like give them gifts and stuff. Like um, uh, one of my operators gives uh, uh silver coins with uh, it's like a bitcoin. It's a bitcoin silver coin. Okay. He gives that to them, and it gets them really excited because it's a real ounce of silver, you know. Right. And so like a little gift. Right. Um, but that then you know tells them, hey, you got to do this with the Bitcoin ATM, and, and also you know you can incorporate certain coupons and stuff within their system, so you can say, hey, you want to you know like you have a customer comes up, you can be like, hey, you know that Bitcoin ATM back there, if you use this coupon, it's five dollars free Bitcoin out the Bitcoin ATM. Okay. Well, that incentivizes them to you know get, gets their customers involved. Okay. More into their business. So I guess, and the other thing I want to mention too, just kind of to close out the idea about the, just the, what it's like to be a host or the factors related to being a host. What I was fascinated to learn was that if someone hosts a machine, there is this uh, ancillary effect, right? Where people are looking for Bitcoin ATMs. And so they're actually coming to that location for the Bitcoin ATM. And so it's actually, in many cases, boosting the business of the host. I mean, can you comment on that or seen what your experience? Yes, I, yes, absolutely. absolutely. And, and, I, and I've heard this a couple times where, uh, you know, like there, there's a location that sees a massive uptake of foot traffic and business happening in their, uh, in their store. And these are new customers. These are customers that might drive by your store, or your gas station a thousand times and never want to stop in. But then all of a sudden they see a Bitcoin sign outside. What catches their eyes? They keep driving by a couple more times. It's clicking in their head. And, and signs work. Uh, signs work. It's something that it, politicians wouldn't use signs for elections unless it worked, you know. And so here, here you got people, and so they see these signs, and they're, I'm going to stop in there. Well, we find that it's almost never that a customer stops in somewhere and uses a Bitcoin ATM and doesn't get something. 
whether it be gasoline, they're getting, you know, some tobacco or a, a soda or sandwich, you know. Why? Because it becomes a routine. And especially once you've uh, secured those customers and once those customers start using that Bitcoin ATM, it becomes part of a, it's like a weekly routine. And so they incorporate that convenience of that store into their routine. Okay. Okay. All right. So, so um, before we move on to talking about machines and manufacturers, I just want to make sure we um, uh, cover cover just everything about the just the general business model. So the operator has kind of the the greatest amount of responsibility, and then it kind of tape goes it it, it tails the it tapers from there, right? So that so that, so the partner a little bit less, the host a little bit less. What other things would, so when you see people getting involved in this, so you're seeing people who are, who are doing ATMs currently, you see people who have other businesses. So they've got their, a lot of times a marketing mindset, right? So there, there are people who've been in a business where they understand about how to grow a business. Um, any other, any other characteristics or thoughts about just the kind of person who, who gets involved? People in finance, okay. people in finance often get involved because they see this is the future. Okay. <laughs> so they're like, you know, these Bitcoin ATMs will eventually be in every store everywhere across the world. Um, they, it, they're, they're a big part of it, but yeah, marketers, uh, marketers know how to market their business. And what you're marketing here is Bitcoin. Right. So it's just about, Hey, you know, like come here to buy your Bitcoin. Um, but generally uh, just entrepreneurs. Okay. So that's, you know, like people that are, they, they want to start a business. They've started them before. Um, they're willing to start businesses. It's not, it's not the type of uh, job for, it's not the type of business for somebody that collects a salary. And like, <laughs> it's more know, of a type A. Wants to do this as a hop, it's more, a side it's hobby, more of a type right? A business. Because, <laughs> right? yeah, it's, it's not a hobby business. Yeah. It requires focus, it requires time, it needs your attention. Um, but it pays off. Uh, there's a big difference between what we see when the hobbyists are running an ATM, right. where they just plug in the ATM and they're like, all right, I'm going to be a millionaire, you know, um, versus the, the, the guy that's like, I'm going to make this work. Right. This, uh, I, and I'm going to put this one here, this one there, this one there. This isn't working out. Why is this not working out? Well, these are things that you learn in business. And you look, and there's a lot of things that we don't understand. Sure, you sure, know, sure. Like we, we're like, why does one location work and the other one doesn't? You know, and they look identical, but then you find out, hey, uh, well, it turns out when you go to pull into this gas station, you're going to get rear-ended by a semi. Right. People don't feel safe going into that gas station. Right. So you know, you move it one block away, all of a sudden it explodes. These are things that you learn with experience. Okay. And then now this also speaks to something I've heard you say a few times, which when you first heard, or I first heard you say it, I was. Just because I'm in marketing and numbers person and into studying and data, and uh, you had mentioned how kind of the the best way to, to to give yourself a good chance to succeed is to have multiple locations in the beginning, right? So you talked about how more locations gives you more. Yeah, if you get so so if you've got five machines, three machines flop, right? But the other two machines take off. They pay for all five machines. If, if you have one machine and you invest all your eggs into one basket, and you're like I'm going to put it in this location. Six months down the line, you finally realize this location is not going to work out. <laughs> right. And you're not making any money. You're already six months into your operation. You move to another location. Now now you're like, well, is this location going to work out? Or right. You might not see a return on your investment in a year. Whereas, like, I've, I've got operators who've got two locations. Their first location, the first 
couple months they didn't they, they got a couple hundred bucks which is pretty typical you're starting up a business it takes time to make money the first two months are usually slow right. the third month it starts taking off and goes up from there but like his his second location he got he got oh he had one big customer come in one big fish right you know and that one big fish came in and paid for both machines within the first two nice. months he saw a return on his investment and, and that's because he had more fishing poles in the right. water and, and if you're going to you know the more fishing hooks you got in there the chances you catching a bigger fish is Indeed. greater let's go ahead and talk about machines and manufacturing so there's a lot there i mean i'm trying to think of um kind of kind of a narrative or linear maybe there isn't a good way to do it but so but basically what a bitcoin atm machine um when you break it into its component parts, right? So you have you have the of the case, you have the internal uh, hardware. Um, let's talk about some of that stuff. Like what what makes a good quality Bitcoin ATM machine, just from a physical standpoint. Oh man, uh, well uh, one that you can't open with a can. <laughs> okay. I mean, so you need you need you need a good you know solid strong box. Okay. And that's for security. You also want to compartmentalize. Okay. So you, you know, it like different sections in it. And that way, if somebody gets in the top section, hey, they now they've got to get through the bottom section, you know? Um, I would say quality hardware. Okay. Uh, if you have low quality hardware, you're going to have low quality ATMs. You need ATMs that work. Like, they have to turn on. They have to stay operational. They have to sell Bitcoin. Uh, they can't say in maintenance all the time and you can't be sitting there purging money. Okay. Like we've got some of our competitors, their operators are just sitting there losing lots of money because the machines don't okay. work. So it's better to have quality hardware coupled with quality software. So then you stay in operation. Right. You have to, you have to have that uptime. If a customer shows up to your Bitcoin ATM and is down, guess what? They go to another Bitcoin ATM, which happens to be our, one of our customers, Bitcoin ATMs. And they're like, Hey, it works. They one got Bitcoin. They got a. Uh, they got customer support, but their, their machines turn right, right, and it works. <laughs> so you know, it that's a pretty big deal. Now we do have only two moving parts within our ATMs, okay. so there's not many things that can actually go wrong. Uh, the the one moving part is the uh, uh, ITL spectral uh, recycler. Okay. It holds a thousand and eighty bills, eighty bills in the drum, and that eighty bills will recycle back out to a customer that sells their Bitcoin. So it's a buy and sell recycler. That's why they call it recycle. Okay. Recycles a bill. Um, that's a pretty. It's a very high quality recycler. It's a you know top of the market out of the UK. Okay. Uh, we have the K the K ninety printer. Okay, it's a thermal printer, and like when you have to change the ink for it, you never have to change ink. Thermal. It right. Thermal. It prints on the right. paper. So you don't ever have to worry about changing. Okay. That's a nice little joke. I like to pull people's legs down. Yeah, you gotta find thermal paper. Thermal uh, ink. Thermal, uh, <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, but now the, the 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 printer is like any other uh, thermal printer. It's a higher quality one, and it will outlive you and me. Like these things last forever. Those are the two moving parts. Uh, we've never heard of any issues with the printers, you know, breaking. Um, as for the the ITL recyclers. Well, once you cycle through, like, I think it's like $22 million, uh, $100 bills through it, money's dirty. And, and that dirt from the money, the, the money gunk can start throwing error codes. And you'll see okay. it within your dashboard software. And at that time, you've already made like a million dollars off this ATM. So some some big, some operators just pull that ATM, put a new one there, and move that one to the warehouse and, and try to trouble, you know, they'll deal with it there at the warehouse. Right. But uh, 
we've only I only know of one circumstance where this has happened where it's need to be refurbished. So this is where you would have to go through the uh, manufacturer of the actual recycler because they carry okay. that they, they will refurbish it for you for a couple hundred bucks. They send okay. you a loaner, you plug in the loaner, and then you can go back and you can operate while it's being refurbished. But then okay. they send you back the refurbished one for a couple hundred bucks. Um, other than that, everything else is pretty uh, replaceable. Uh, we, okay. we carry a one-year warranty on that hardware that uh, most of that hardware, uh, the, the manufacturers of the individual hardware pieces, they, they have additional, you know, a couple years of warranties as well. Uh, we don't have issues. Uh, recently, one of our uh, ATMs got shot with a gun um, during a bank robbery, and, and the bullet got yeah, it got lodged. It didn't even go all the way through. It like there's a, there's a steel reinforcement behind the screen. It got lodged right there behind the screen, so it didn't even get into the okay. Bitcoin ATM, which is pretty cool. But we were able to get that back up in operation within 72 hours by overnight. You know, we overnighted a uh, screen and you know, the ATM operator put the new screen in, got it back out on the street. So, you know, okay, we're here to help our operator. So something I've read about is in the product descriptions from Chainbytes, which for Chainbytes machines, they, they say cold rolled steel. I mean, what do you, I'm, that, that sounds great. Tell me about that. What does that mean? Cold rolled steel. Well, uh, so steel comes out in rolls of, it, it's it, it's uh it's like sheet metal okay okay and then it get it, it gets formed up and and uh what do they call it a print it's like a it's like a press and the okay. press presses it and it bends it and and gets everything and then they do the the welding and the fastening and everything after that okay. so it's it's a you know pretty thick gauge steel these things are not they're not like so they're like 320 pounds uh, we've never seen, you know, nobody's ever thrown one up on their shoulder and run out of the store. They're, they're heavy. And, and so, and they're usually anchored down too. So they come prepared that you can anchor and bolt them to the floor. And, uh, yeah, it, it's a heavy duty steel. Now we, uh, we did have one of our operators had one of their machines broken into, okay. and it took the guy like 15 minutes to get into it. And the, this was sub uh, the the location was not a very secure place. Okay. So in such circumstances, you always you, you gotta look. Yeah, okay, if it's got bulletproof glass everywhere and a security guard at the front door, you know, it may not be the best place to place <laughs> a Bitcoin ATM. You know, so you gotta right. consider these things. Yeah, I think those things actually also relate to the, com the comfort for customers, right? So that they feel secure bringing money to a place to be able to exchange with the machine. Absolutely. The two, the two keys to uh, having a successful place um, for a location is convenience and safety. They have to feel comfortable and they got to, they, they got to feel like it's convenient. Okay. Okay. All right. So now, so it's uh, relate also just a little bit more hardware stuff or just physical question or elements. We have the chain bytes machine have, has a standard UI. There's a screen that you see like on a typical ATM but you all, there's also a top screen uh, that's available. Um, talk about top screens. What are they? What are they? Purpose do they serve? What, what's what's special about them? So they make our they they, they make our ATM stand out against the competition. Okay. Simply put, so um, for example, when you see them, in, we we have these things in Pennsylvania called skill games, and they're basically like little casinos, and you can place one of our Bitcoin ATMs in the middle of them, and it just kind of blends in. But if you okay. put that top screen in there, now it stands out. It catches okay. people's eyes. So you're not just, it's not just a stand, you know, like the, the UI of the actual Bitcoin uh, touchscreen, okay, right. for buying Bitcoin. 
but it's a slideshow that's saying buy Bitcoin here, Bitcoin ATM. Okay. Or some operators like to put uh, simple explainers on there how to download a Bitcoin wallet um, and how to use the Bitcoin ATM. Some, you know, a slideshow. But generally, okay. what they're doing is they're marketing Bitcoin. A lot of operators think, "Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna market slushies. I'm gonna get some extra marketing <laughs> revenue, make extra fifty bucks a month." It's like, no, you you you'll make so Bitcoin. much more money off selling Bitcoin. <laughs> Just market your machine on those screens. Right. Right. Okay. Okay. So so then the last piece of the the physical machine that I just want to make sure we talk about was. Um, I mean, it's another security issue, I guess, but we we have special locks. They're 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 for uh, they're they're called S S and G locks. Um, can you talk about what those what those do, what they're what the purpose is, and how, how they work? Yes, absolutely. So, uh, what with an S and G lock, it is a uh, it's an auditable lock, and it's a keypad. Okay, and it's required okay. by uh, armed guard pickups, so like Garda, etc who come to pick up cash. And the whole purpose is they don't want you going in and out of the machine and putting cash in there. One for uh, money laundering purposes, but also okay. say like, you know, like you went in there, took out 200 bucks and then they're like, well, it says there was this, you know, this much cash in there. They know you took it out, you know? So now right. they're, they're not going to be involved in any kind of shenanigans and they don't want to be involved in any kind of shenanigans. So right. it, it locks that, it locks that money in there. It also is a, it's a reinforced lock. So that guy, like that guy that, you know, it took him 15 minutes to get in the machine would have taken him another hour, <laughs> you know, like right, it's, right. It's, an, it's an extra reinforced lock. Um, okay. And so it's really good for being in any kind of money businesses to have these. I mean, uh, S&G locks are installed on gun safes. So okay. that gives you an idea of why they're, they're a good, you know, they're a good lock to have. And, and so, but the money service companies that do the, um, the, the cash handling. So it's, it's just, it's basically like, um, like an audit trail. So you can, you can see who opened it or when they opened it. And, uh, so, and, and the banks want to, banks in particular want to know that that's, they're, they're all looking for more security in terms of the, the, the trail, I guess. Right. Yeah, yeah, and there's a lot of money involved. So it, it, it turns out that everybody gets into this thinking, I'm going to pick up the cash until they actually start picking up the cash and they start seeing how much money they got. And they're like, right. now I feel like I'm at risk. I got to get a gun. I feel like I'm looking at everybody that's coming around the corner staring at me, you know, right. funny. I feel like I'm going to get robbed. And so they end up getting armed guard services. And okay. I, it's a safe thing to do. Yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. You know, why not? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's um, that's just such a big, especially when we get an operation going where they have many machines. It's just that just seems to be part of a really good, solid professional operation is, is working with a with a cash uh, service like like uh, Gardo. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen individual operators, uh, so individuals able to handle like the cash flow of like ten Bitcoin ATMs, and right. then they start they start getting overwhelmed. Right. Right. It started. That's the point where the, the scale starts tipping, and they're like, "I got to get somebody else to work for me just to go pick up cash." I mean, in a certain standpoint, that what a problem to have, <laughs> right? I mean, you're doing a business; yeah. it's actually an issue. So, yeah, okay. and, and, and that, that tends to be the, the number one thing about being in the Bitcoin ATM business is all the problems you have are good problems. <laughs> so, okay, so so that's the physical stuff, um, and. Uh, I think, you know, another thing, I just, there's, there's also sort of a aesthetic, right? I mean, I think that uh, when I look at other machines, I really, I think our machines look, look really good. Yeah. The chain bites machines are super, 
I don't know. They're just just well. Yeah. Done. Well, I so so the so the yeah. So the uh, the the boxes themselves, like you said, the cold rolled steel. Right. That's manufactured in China. Okay. Okay. And, and that's where they produce those. Now the hardware comes from the UK, Italy, and the United States. The software is developed here in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Okay. okay. So yeah, Pennsylvania created. We're right. a U.S. based company. But once it once everything gets all the hardware gets installed to our specs, okay, right. into these boxes, they then go through a third party inspection process for quality assurance purposes. If it's got a paint blemish, it gets rejected. We do not we do not accept anything but the highest quality. And okay. so that's why these Bitcoin ATMs are such high quality. I mean, I've, I've compared them with other Bitcoin ATMs looking at them like this looks like a piece of junk box and this looks great. <laughs> me, the screens by Bitcoin. <laughs> And I'd seriously, I, I, I saw the picture of the machine that was from some other company. It was made so, I mean, it was made so poorly. They made, they fabricated. Yeah, made it. in a garage. They did spray paint. Like, they, oh, yeah, this is great production fa- model. Fa- fabricated a box to to give it an extra skin to make it a little bit more sturdy. Um, but no, our machines are certainly the, they're 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 beautiful. I mean, they're really. Um, I mean, just I I'm in my life, regular life. I I know some industrial design people. And I have some appreciation for uh, just how difficult that is to make something, you know, from a, from a, to make something that's aesthetically pre- pleasing, easy, to, good UI, uh, functional, and just all come together, you know, like 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 Apple makes computers. It's just um, I'm, the, the machines look great. So yeah, yeah, they, they look they look great on, on the hardware end, and then the software end. It's real simple to use. Well, I, so, that's, my, that's my transition was to talk about dashboards. So, so we have there's a lot to say about the the, the dashboard. So, I mean, there again, like I don't know where to exactly begin. Um, so, but we'll let's 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 take it from individual machines. So, the individual machine it it arrives to the customer once it's purchased. Um, I, I think one of the, one of the benefits we have is that there's no programming to set the machine up, right? So the machines are plug and play. Well, talk talk a little bit about yeah. So when you're that. well. Now, now it's going to be a different process when you're you're uh, just starting up versus when you're already in you're already uh, rocking and rolling in, in business. Okay. So when when the machines first arrive to you, they'll they'll arrive to your location. They deliver to your doorstep. It'll be in a crate. You uncrate them. You bring them inside. You plug them in in a power and internet, and then we take over. And then what we do is we populate your dashboard. What populating your dashboard is building your Bitcoin ATM network. We do that, okay? So we get customized to how you want to have it done, and then it's ready to go, okay? But you have no clue how to run this software. You have no clue how to run the hardware and whatnot. At that point, what we do is we walk you through it, and we train you in how that software works. So you're comfortable, and you know what you have to do to operate, navigate all the, the, the dashboard software. Okay. Now you can take these Bitcoin ATMs, take them out to a location, plug them in the power of the internet, and five minutes later you are you're buying and selling Bitcoin. Okay. Now that process is basically the same, the second part of that process. So once you've already got your your machines operational, you just you you get some new Bitcoin ATMs to grow your fleet. You bring those in, okay, you uncrate, you get them shipped, you uncrate them, bring them in, power and internet. We then connect it to your network, which doesn't take very long, okay. And now it's ready to be, you know, added to your fleet. And you can just okay. take it to a location and deploy it once again. And you want to you, you want to stage it either at your home, your office, your warehouse. The well, reason being is you might run into some kind of troubleshooting issue, and okay. you do not want to be inside a gas station with a giant box 
sitting there right. troubleshooting, you know, okay. it, it looks unprofessional. So from a professional standpoint, nobody does that. Everybody okay. has it uh, delivered to one location, staged, and then from there they deploy. Okay. Okay. And so the, and the, the machine, once it's, once it's set, connected to the dashboard system, that's going to, that's going to uh, provide the software for the UI, right? So, so yep. when a customer comes up and, and, and touches the screen and it says it helps them buy Bitcoin and goes through that process. Um, that's, that's, that's a standard setup that comes with every, is applied to every machine, correct? Yep. And, it, and it's full features. So it, it, it's built for KYC. So it makes, it, it makes your life painless when it comes to it, it's like plug and play KYC for your compliance officer. So okay. it makes it easy. You see everything. So when a customer comes up and touches the screen, you get a photo of that customer, whether they buy or sell. Okay. Okay. Um, it, you, it collects their names, their phone numbers, their government IDs. Uh, you can put uh, when they're buying over $10,000 worth of Bitcoin, you have to file a CTR report. Your compliance officer has to. Well, okay. they can put their social security number through the UI and everything. Okay. So okay. it's a very powerful UI. It's simple. Okay. Uh, under, you know, under a certain amount, you don't have to do any KYC. And at that point, a customer, a customer can come up and buy Bitcoin under 30 seconds. Okay. You take all these steps out of the process, you make it simple for them because the demographic they use at Bitcoin ATMs needs simplicity. Okay. So on the front end, it's got to be simple. Back end's just as simple. Okay, you you see you see uh, all your machines. You see that you know what kind of profits they're doing. If you have any losses, you know forbid you have any losses. But you can see each transaction. And you can see the profit of each transaction, what it cost you, what you paid for. Uh, you connect it to your uh, different exchange APIs, which is your uh, each one of your exchanges that you have. You can rank them up, and you know which one you want, and it'll it'll automatically buy Bitcoin on whatever exchange you want. Okay. Okay. If you got a customer service issue, like say you get a phone call, customers like I keep clicking buying Bitcoin and it's not working. You can pull up that ATM. You can see where they're touching on the screen, and you can say you're hitting the sell Bitcoin button. <laughs> you know, wow. and, and that's actually that, that's a very common uh, thing that happens. So it's a common customer support situation is that okay. they're hitting sell Bitcoin, thinking that's how they buy Bitcoin. Right. Right. <laughs> okay. So now the the dashboard system is designed to be able to manage multiple machines. So, so if someone has two machines or they got two hundred machines, they're using the same same dashboard backend, right? Correct, correct. So you you have your your Bitcoin hot wallet it, it is within that dashboard, okay? Okay. And all your Bitcoin ATMs connect to that. So, say you got five Bitcoin ATMs, you got a customer okay. buying and selling Bitcoin from all five. Okay. And what they're doing is they're doing transactions between that one Bitcoin hot wallet. Now, okay. as they're buying Bitcoin, the uh, the uh, balance on that Bitcoin hot wallet will deplete, okay? Sure. And as it's getting lower and lower, you're going to want to sweep some Bitcoin over from your uh, your exchange wallet over into your hot wallet. Okay. So that's that has to be, uh, excuse me, that has to be done manually. Okay. Because exchanges do not allow for automatic withdrawals for security purposes. Okay. But that whole aspect, that part of the business and the dashboard, is very easy. That's okay. the easy part. Okay? okay. It's the cash management. <laughs> That's the hard part. Okay. So okay. you you find what Bitcoin ATM operators, uh, if they're traditional ATM operators or in any other kind of business, they come into this business thinking the Bitcoin's the hard part. 
Right. They're like, oh, this is going to be the, the, the stumble block is going to be Bitcoin. I mean, high now, tech or something like that. Yeah. Bitcoin is easy. And that's why we love Bitcoin. OK. And, and every operator learns to love Bitcoin. And they start looking at Bitcoin as the precious ring that they must always have and attain because, <laughs> you know, like you have to have the, the, this is your fuel for your money making machines. These machines right. will make money. They're money generators, but they need that fuel. You have to maintain that supply of Bitcoin at all times. So they, they end up obsessing about getting more Bitcoin and keeping the operation going because that's what, what you're essentially doing is you're offering Bitcoin and you're getting an, an APY on your Bitcoin every day. And, and it's an insane great profit. But if you don't got any Bitcoin to sell your customers, you lose your customers, you're not making any money. So so one more thing on the dashboard too. Um, so it's that it's... it's there's sort of an element of this is like a Tesla. I mean, in that um, because of the way it's the way it's set up structurally between the central center hub and the machines. It, talk about the update process. So let's say Chainbytes has a, has a software update. How, how does that how does that roll out? You wouldn't even notice. Okay. So uh, during during the downtime of the machine, uh, nobody's using it off hours, whatnot. We provide the updates, you know, to the machine. And so you wouldn't even notice that your uh, software is being updated and that's okay. done remotely. Okay. So you don't have to do any updates, okay. you know? So what we do is we, we, we provide you with the software infrastructure. Okay. We maintain that software infrastructure, keep you operational. We provide you updates on that software. We provide training on how that software works. We hash all the transactions between your Bitcoin hot wallet and your customers. And what that allows you to do is to stay in operation. You don't need to have any technical expertise. You don't have to hire a tech expert. And you don't have Program to run your team. own servers. Right. Okay. Okay. So, so if um, I should just on the, the the last thought about the the dashboard, um, so somebody's operating several machines and they're able to from a central location, right, manage all the all the various operations. Um, in terms of com compliance considerations which we can talk about in a little in more detail um the, the operating software also helps with that so you see you say it's set up and ready to go to help people manage that kyc um talk a little bit about that so so it's it keeps transaction records and 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 helps helps uh, the operator and the and the compliance officer stay stay abreast of the the operations you know is there things you can you can tell us about that yeah. So every customer that comes to uh, use your Bitcoin ATM, you can see every type of denomination they put in the machine. You can you see their you see their names, their phone numbers. You know, depending on their KYC uh, program. So they they'll have a program that's established with their compliance officer, and they'll set their certain KYC limits. Okay. Uh, some some uh, operators will set it like under five hundred dollars. There's no KYC. That means people okay. can put cash in, take cash out. No information is taken. It's just the photos taken of you at the machine. Okay. Uh, but then from 500 to 1,000, it's SMS verification. So you have to provide a phone number and, and your name and then verify through your uh, a text message, right, okay. that you are a okay. person. Okay. And then over 1,000 would require a government ID. Well, then that, that requires approval by the operator. But this is all stored within the system. So once you get a customer that, you know, you've been approving this customer, you've talked to them on the phone, you know who they are, they're a regular. Well, now you can just streamline that form. Okay, you can make their experience even better. 
and, and there's no reason to you know sit there and drag your feet with that customer because they're a good paying customer sure i mean so we, we we've seen like the average transaction on our atms is about thirteen hundred dollars across all of our operators which is a good okay. transaction like that's a good average for a transaction so you're going to be having customers constantly uh putting in all this data all that data is stored okay and so you can view it um, now the compliance companies will store it for a couple of years too, and they okay. file they, they they file all the necessary paperwork. So okay. if somebody's acting suspicious, whether they identify it, it does blockchain forensics and everything. All the data is in there. Uh, if they identify anything suspicious, they will file a suspicious activity report. If you see some guy showing up to all your Bitcoin ATMs wearing a Mickey Mouse buying six hundred sixty six hundred sixty six dollars worth of Bitcoin, it's right. suspicious, and, and you, you're like, "Hey, this guy is acting suspicious," and, you can, and they you file can, a suspicious you can activity them. report. You can, I guess, you can block someone as well too. You can right? block them. So yeah, at that time, you can block his phone number. Now he can't buy. Now he can't buy six hundred sixty six dollars worth of Bitcoin ever again. Okay. So, okay. you know, like there's, and so, and that happens. Okay. So you will have customers that are such a pain in the neck. And you're just like, you're banned from my Bitcoin ATM. Yeah. And, and, and you don't need to be spending time with such customers. Not sure. every customer is deserving of your service. You can reuse, you know, that's the beauty of being in business. You can refuse service to customers, sure. especially if they're up to no good. Um, right. This is how you block bad people. Okay. You can block them out and file a suspicious activity report on them while, while you're at it. Uh, because you know, like that's what you have to do. And then when customers buy over ten thousand dollars of Bitcoin, the compliance company, all that information, everything, they file it with the IRS. But it's all it, it's all really simple to get. I mean, we 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 spent a lot of time making it as simple as possible for not only the people that are using the Bitcoin ATMs, but for the operators, right. because they need to be focused on operating their machines. Right. Okay, that's they they shouldn't have any kind of headaches with the software. Certain, certain, and no, nothing with the hardware. Okay, they should be focused on being able to provide Bitcoin for their customers and collecting their cash and keep their customers happy. Right, that's right, right. their job. Okay, we do the rest. <laughs> okay, um, one other part of the dashboard that I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to miss is you had mentioned earlier get five dollars free Bitcoin. So the dashboard <laughs> system, if I'm correlating it, if I'm aligning the pieces properly that's the system that would also be able to generate like a discount code or something for the, the to the degree that you're going to use the system for marketing that's that's part of dashboard too yeah you can yeah so you can uh you can set different fee structure for each one of your atms through the dashboard okay um you can you know you can set up uh different vouchers for different locations Okay. And these vouchers is like, hey, five dollars free Bitcoin, ten dollars free Bitcoin if you go to this location, or you know, you can actually like do print off flyers, the okay. little uh, paper uh, terrors advertisements, okay. and, and have the coupon code on there, right? And people just want to tear it off so they can go see if it works and see if they can get their five dollars worth of free Bitcoin from their ATM. But once they actually use the ATM, so what you're doing is you're you're giving them a dose of the reality of using a Bitcoin yeah. ATM. <clears throat> totally. So they, they're not, they're not risking anything. It's $5 worth of free Bitcoin, right? but they get the, they get to try the whole process. Now sure. they, they, there's zero risk. They've got some free Bitcoin, but they know how right. it works. Right. They're more right. like, right. They, they almost, all, the once ice. they get through that, they almost always buy. So all you need is one customer to be, uh, to get out of such a campaign and it pays for the entire campaign. Okay. Okay. So, 
so when I step back a little bit from the from the from the software, um, I want to talk about or ask about customer service from the Chainbyte side. So if, if I'm an operator and I need help, how do I how do I get help from from Chainbytes? I mean, what's what's that like? All right. Well, so you get a direct line of communication with us and our sales team. We have a ticket system. Okay. Uh, this is the most efficient way of doing things uh, because we're a software company. Uh, all software companies have these ticket systems. Okay. So, uh, you know, like until you become a bigger operator and we also have levels of, hey, if this is really an important situation, we'll talk to you on the phone. Right. Okay. But generally, you, you, you send an email to support. They see okay. that. It's logged in and they hit you as soon as they can. And okay. so it's usually about, you know, it could be instant to 20 minutes. Okay. Um, now, obviously, three o'clock in the morning, you're, it might take a little longer, but this is not something that you, you see much of. There's not, I mean, three o'clock in the morning, you're not awake. Uh, most most uh, rational uh, customers at your ATMs are not even going to bother you at three o'clock in the morning if they had right. an issue. <laughs> right. So, you know, that that's not anything we ever run into. But we're there to provide all the support that you need for your machines. Um, we're there, you know, you're paying your 1%, and that's what you get. You get a dedicated support team that's going to take care of you. And we pride ourselves in support. It doesn't take two days to four days to, you know, I'm hearing right now uh, one of the well, somebody that just came to us, it's, it, you know, months. <laughs> right, right. Support oh, man, issue. I can't imagine, I can't imagine, I mean, we go over the whole, you know, dashboard support system where it's got, it's kind of like a, it's almost like your, your fingers on the pulse of the whole operation at all times. And I, I was doing some work on the marketing and I, I saw like Bitcoin ATMs for sale, eBay or something like that, or like. I couldn't imagine. And, and, and that's a that, that that's actually something I was talking to somebody uh, tonight about, and th that's a risky endeavor. And yeah. buying a used Bitcoin ATM, um, especially because there's been some relevations lately about certain Bitcoin ATMs that can be hacked. Right. So yeah, you're you're going yeah. to put at risk your entire operation to save a buck. Right. Like right. these Bitcoin ATMs and the cost of the the cost of the ATMs, the cost of the shipping. Is it's minuscule compared to the amount of profits they make. Well, guess what? Right. If you get robbed of all your Bitcoin, you're going to regret that that thousand, two thousand dollars you saved. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and the other thing too, just the just the whole the dashboard system staying up to date with changes and being able to be modified, just in terms of compliance. It's like, um, I mean, that's just so helpful. I couldn't imagine stitching together some random patchwork of different kinds of machines that I bought used in secondhand and trying to man manage like the AML KYC. Just, it, it's just too much. It, it would be, it could really, you, you, again, like you say, the few thousand dollars that might be saved would, would, be, would mean very little if you were got into a serious jam because your operations got sideways because you, they were functioning properly. Right. Yeah. So the CEO of our company, Eric Grill, he's been in this business for many years and he engineered the software to make it as simple as possible for him to make money operating Bitcoin ATMs. And like right. he says, he doesn't right. just dish his dog food. He eats a tip and he yeah. does. So, yeah. you know, like you often hear from mechanics that they'll they'll curse up a storm at the engineers that engineered a car the way it is because they're breaking their elbows trying to reach a spot that's unreachable. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's the truth. Well, in this case, true. you actually have the engineer is the mechanic. So yeah. if the engineer is the mechanic, he's built he's built our software, he's built our hardware 
to make his life as easy as possible and as most efficient as possible. He wants to maximize how much money he can make off a of Bitcoin ETF. Okay. And then he's like, well, why keep this for myself? Right. <laughs> you know, so and that's where our customers benefit. So we have an incentive like he, that, that other companies don't. I mean, like it, our CEO stops making money. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, it's got to work, you know. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, and, it's, and, they, and they're and they're ah, they're just they're just built right in terms of. Uh, just in every way, because because every anything can cause a headache. Whether it's like you're talking about the recyclers. I mean, you put a cheap recycler in there, and the money's jamming, or you got counterfeit bills getting accepted, or some kind of a thing. Um, just you know, the stitch in time saves nine, or sometimes the best is the cheapest in the long run. And I think there's a lot a lot of that in this space. Well, you know, and so I also like to I like to bring up this little story. So I just uh, I just got rid of an iPhone. Uh, and this is a new iPhone that I'm using. Uh, my, my last iPhone I had for five years. Okay. Uh, the actual cell towers went out of updates before my phone died. Okay. okay. My phone was still working after five years. In the okay. same amount of time, my wife went through five cell phones. She went through five Androids. Okay. They would have critical hardware failures, software failures. And she'd just buy another one, kept buying another one. She ended up spending more money on those five phones than I spent on my one iPhone. Right. And I, and I, I paid premium for that one iPhone. But I did million, many millions of business, m- many millions of dollars in business over this phone. It's never once failed me, never, uh, never once crashed. It wasn't until the actual uh, 4G network was rendered useless and they upgraded <laughs> to 5G. That, like my phone actually was out of date. That is that old. Right. And then I had to look at my phone and say, okay, well, I guess I need a new phone. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, that's, yeah, it's just, that's just a lesson learned from being an ex- like experienced business person. I mean, I, I can't tell you, like, you know, uh, how many times, like, I, you know, get a good contractor, I, I pay him because I, mm-hmm. I know I can rely on them. I know they'll be there. I know they'll, I got guys that I can just, I can throw them a key and say, hey, get over, you know, go over there and I know you'll take care of it. And it's, uh, the more, the more business scales, the more successful businesses are, they, they, they have to be able to figure out a way to, to scale properly in, in, in a, in a, in a painless manner, right? If, if you will, like in a more mm-hmm. co- cohesive and uh, better components, better service, people you can rely on that matters in the long run. Yeah. So, I, I, there, there's a reason why you don't see a bunch of chain bites machines secondhand out there. And that's because of the fact one, people tend to succeed with them. Right. But two, they, they don't break and get resold. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, you know, like, and, and that's what you see in the, the, the resellers market. It's, it's, machines that are beaten it's machines that uh have open source software they're junk um i mean like we we take really good pride in our hardware and our software it's got to stay operational yeah that's great that's great i i i I got all these analogies come to mind i i did business with a company for a while that did uh warehouse shelving keith you you buy warehouse shelving new because You don't, you know what I mean? You recycle warehouse shelving and put a big warehouse together and all of a sudden the thing starts falling down or causing problems. I mean, some of these things, um, just the best cheap in the long run sometimes, for sure. So so yeah. I want to shift a little bit and then and uh, uh, just talk a little bit more about just kind of the general business. So so we mentioned earlier that, that uh, machines that are located in a place with good lighting, uh, that are safe and secure, those are good spots. And, and I was wanting to bring that up just because as people are considering this business, they're thinking about like, well, should I do this? What's involved with the hardware and the service and who should I partner with? Um, 
just there, I always get this question about like what's a what's what's a good place to put machines. So we we talked about well lit. We talked about safe. Um, high traffic, good hours. Any other thing you could add there relative to? Yeah, high, so so high foot traffic locations do great. Okay, um, but not all high foot traffic locations do great. Okay, we found that uh, restaurants do horrible. Okay. They usually tank. Some some doing zero dollars, and and the reason for that is nobody wants to impose themselves upon other people eating. Okay, okay, they want they, they, it's rude. <laughs> and so they don't want to go walking in with a lot of cash into a restaurant, and I don't blame them. Uh, malls don't do very well. Why? Well, because people that go to the malls are there on their day off. Right. And they're walking around looking at things. And so those people are looking at you standing out in the open next to the escalator putting $5,000 into a Bitcoin <laughs> ATM. Right, right. Okay? You don't feel you're all out in the open. Plus, you have to walk all the way through the mall, and you know malls are different sizes all across the country. But most malls are pretty big, and then way out in the parking lot, it's just right. not convenient. It's not a place. That, it's not a place of convenience. What does do well are places that are convenient that you can easily pull in and out of. It's well lit. You know, you can do other things there, like get okay. gasoline, pick up some milk for the kids, um, ice cream, whatever. Um, mom and pop shops do great. So why? Okay. It, it just it, it's uh, the the pers- the feeling and the atmosphere. All right, you okay. feel comfortable there. Um, bodegas, corner stores, mini marts, all these places do pretty well. Okay. So, and, and they all have the, the the common denominator I see is the convenience. Convenience first, and then safety is an obvious second. Okay. Uh, places that are less safe will still see lots of transactions, but they'll see smaller amounts of transactions. Places that are extremely safe. Uh, for example, um, like a gun store, like, uh, you know, Eric has a gun store and they feel very safe there. So they do very big transactions okay. because they feel the chances of me getting robbed in a gun store are pretty, pretty low, <laughs> pretty low. <laughs> yeah, totally. But then, you know, he, he put a Bitcoin ATM in a gun store. Okay. Another gun store thinking if it works in one gun store, it should work in the other gun store. That location didn't do good. Okay. It, it was basically a flop. He moved it to a new location, which took off right away. But that location didn't do good. And it's a gun store. So why is one gun store work and the other one do- doesn't? And at this point, this is where you're, this is why you want more than one machine, right? This is why you right. want multiple machines because you're experimenting. You're learning what things are. Well, it turns out that that gun store was off the cut. All right. It's not, you know, out, you know, it's not a high foot traffic, high traffic area. Right. Um, but it is also small. So if you go walking in the gun store, the guy's going to say, hey, what are you doing here? What can I do for it? Whereas the other gun store, you can walk in, do your business, and leave, and nobody bothers you because it's a big store, and a lot of people go in and out all day. High okay. foot traffic. Right. Okay, okay, that's great. Um, all right, so, well, um, I want to wrap the things up, and um, I guess one thing I always like to ask is, so, you know, you've been involved in cryptocurrency in all these years through the birth of it, you know, seeing it, its inception, um, and just, just watching it, you know, the adoption increase and seeing the numbers we're seeing. Like if you, if you looked at the, the, the landscape in terms of Bitcoin ATMs, I mean, would you call this, is it, is it early across the chasm? Is it middle? Like we're, we're, we're to, in terms of opportunities, where, where are we on the spectrum relative to this? Um, here, I'll, I'll bring up the, the stock market. It's called the stock market cheat sheet. All right. <laughs> okay. 
So if you guys bring up the stock market cheat sheet, sheet, give everyone a second here. I'll tell you where we are. I would say we are past hope and at optimism. <laughs> okay. 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 Um, it's it still got a lot of, like, I, I, and I don't, I don't see it doing the stock market cheat sheet. I don't think it's going to go up and crash. I think it's going to be steady adoption because uh, Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin itself. Okay, if you're looking in a short term span of things, it goes through violent, uh, really volatile uh, yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but in the long term, if you just zoom out, you realize that over a course of four, four years, it, it all it's doing is going up. Right. And so and that's based off of uh, Moore's law and Metacalf's law. And okay. like, you know, so what you're doing, what you're actually based upon is uh, uh, Bitcoin is based upon hardware. OK. And what you have is a Bitcoin ATM hardware machine. <laughs> so right. you, you're looking at as more people adopt it, as it grows, as it becomes, you know, uh, legal tender. Right. You know, by countries, just yeah. imagine how valuable it is to have your foot already in the door into a business that is eventually going to become very exclusive. It's not going to get easier to get into this business. It's only going to get more difficult. Right. But if you're an established business person in Bitcoin ATMs, you're now part of that, that uh, you know, elite team of people right. that are, you know, going to help shape the future. Um, so yeah, it might see you might see some bumps up and down. Like markets right. just do that, okay? But as you zoom out, you will see upwards and upwards and upwards. More people are going to adopt more Bitcoin ATMs. I mean, you're talking there's millions and millions of Bitcoin ATMs across the world. So, and not, I mean Bitcoin ATMs, right. traditional ATMs. Right. Right. So you know, like it's early. I would say it's still yeah. early, but it's not so early that you're you know the first person to find out about it. Right. Right. So, so, so there's yeah, competition. Yeah, well, indeed. And I was thinking um, that they talked about this thing called the first mover advantage. I mean, B Bitcoin, in a lot of senses, has first mover advantage because it's oh, it's there's so many elements because it's so unique the way it was born, you know. Um, but but there's there's an element to first mover advantage, which is that if you develop the relationships with the customers early and you build hundreds of customers that regularly come to you to buy Bitcoin, I mean, that's those people are that those those. First connections, those opportunities are really happening now. I mean, it's like, a, so it seems to me like for an operator to to start to build those relationships, it's just going to build that community over time. People will come and go, but I mean, in, in the main, given given the adoption curve, it seems to me like the, it's more of an opportunity than it is than it is a risk that you're going to see more and more people get involved at this point. Yeah, yeah there's still a lot of people that have, you know, I mean, like when we actually find out how many people have not, you know, like I've told I've told people for years to get Bitcoin and right. they just can't get through the steps of, you know, banking, Bitcoin exchanges. It's just too much, too much technology, you know, and it confuses them. They feel like they have to go to college to understand it. It doesn't have to be that hard. That's where yeah. Bitcoin ATMs make it easy. So it, it's still really early, I would say. Yeah, um, and there's a lot of, and there's, you know, unlike traditional ATMs, Bitcoin is a technology that can be built upon. So there's new things that we can build on top of Bitcoin ATMs. The technology that we can add to the software at the ATMs can add so much more utility to business and life. 
that you know as bitcoin evolves as time goes on it's not you're not going to see these 1990s atms that are spitting out cash okay right. eventually it's going to be all bitcoin atms right they're going to replace all of the legacy atms mm-hmm. and all those legacy atms are going to basically be flowing into you know I, I think people kind of overestimate how much longer people are going to want dollars over Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, well, I think the other thing too is that, like, and I, when I was talking to Eric about this. It's like when and you you said too that the on ramp into Bitcoin really, once someone has that wallet on their phone, uh, they they're really in the crypto space. I mean, they can do that. That's a whole, the whole world of you know the NF, from NFTs to different altcoins to different all kinds of things that people can do in that in that space. And and I, I guess. You know, if you think of it in terms of people talk about central bank digital currencies, you're just going to see more digital currency mechanisms that occur. And I think you're right. And those old ATM machines well, aren't going to be able to handle the new reality. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, like uh, it's a completely different monetary model. You got uh, the traditional dot like the dollar is uh, a consumer uh, currency. Right. So you want to spend it as soon as you get it. And, right. and, and, and it does. And a, a good dollar is measured by how fast people spend it. And how many people get in debt to spend it? It's a, it's a melting um, ice cube, otherwise, right? Yeah, and, and Bitcoin's the exact opposite. The Bitcoin is, you know, it's time preference. It's about, you know, like I rather than spending a bunch of dollars, I can save it in Bitcoin. And right. once you get Bitcoin, you don't want to spend your Bitcoin, right? And there's a there's a thing that uh, a saying that people say, and they say, you know, your first hundred thousand dollars is the hard part. Your second hundred thousand dollars is the easy part. And that's true when it comes to dollars. Right. With Bitcoin, your first Bitcoin is the hard part, right? right. And your second Bitcoin is the harder part. <laughs> okay? Yeah. And, yeah. And, and it gets harder and harder and harder to get. It becomes more rare. I mean, I, I being able to have all these Bitcoins and then to actually look at a fraction of Bitcoin being a lot of money, it's just mind-blowing to me. That, right. you know, it was just not that long ago that, you know, People were like coming up to me and they're like, wow, you got a full Bitcoin? You're like rich. And I'm like, what the heck? You know, like it's just like it blew my mind, you know? They say there's 50,000 millionaires or something. What if 50,000 millionaires or 50 million millionaires? So it's 50 million millionaires yeah. in the world. And there's only 21 million Bitcoins, you know, assuming you can find them all. Not even enough. Yeah, I think, I, I think it comes out to there, there's probably enough Bitcoin for 0. 0. 0.36 bitcoin per person that is uh a millionaire <laughs> and there's more millionaires popping up every day as the well, dollar they, is, uh, they keep, yeah they keep printing money it's they, they're making they're making millionaires all the time we um, will all be millionaires eventually for, for sure um all right so i just wanted to all right we'll wrap up uh, there probably um I mean, I'm dying to ask you. Just like we should, we should do a show another day where we just talk about Bitcoin. But like, when you know, I'm, I'm, I'm loving, I'm, I'm loving this question. It says, you say you meet a new person, right? Because what you said earlier that we were talking about the adoption and the and like what phase we're in. It's difficult for people to get involved. They think they got to go to college, like you're saying. They got to understand all this high tech stuff. But the reality is, it's easier to get involved than most people think. But once someone's involved, then they got it. They don't go backwards. <laughs> like once you know how to do it and you're in, you're in. You know what I mean? It's just, so it's like they're. It's almost like cards are turning over. Like that, as people get more and more people get adopted. It's like it's like the time you first sent you sent your first email, or you put an attachment on an email. Once you're there, you're like, oh, this is this is easy, and there's just really no going back. It's got a linear kind of progression. 
Yeah, so 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 with the early adopters, the people that are you know, for I would say the the earlier adopters and the early adopters, they wanted to understand the inner workings of Bitcoin, and so right. uh, it would take you know it takes some technical knowledge to understand the ins and outs of Bitcoin, right? But okay, everybody wants to know how Bitcoin works, and nobody wants to know how the dollar works. I'll tell you what, dollar is much more complicated, yeah, to in operation than right. bitcoin is bitcoin is right. really simple it's just basic math okay and, and and it's a form of you know combining math together and writing it into a software program right so it's actually pretty simple eventually people will look at bitcoin and they're not going to care how it works yeah and they've already reached right. that point okay right. we've already we're at that point now and, that, and that's that's where your customer base is they they don't need the they don't care how bitcoin works all they know is it's valuable and how to get it and that's right. the same way people look at dollars now. Okay, so nobody cares how a dollar comes into creation. They don't care, you know, the difference between the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Reserve. So it's the same thing with Bitcoin. People just not care, and they're going to want more of it, and they're just right. going to keep on. And this is going to, you know, it's going to snowball until we have uh, what's coined as the super cycle and right. mass right. Bitcoinization. You know, everybody's <laughs> hi hi hyper Bitcoinization. Right. Where right. it just it becomes this giant black hole, just sucking in all the wealth of the world. Yeah, but in the same time, preserving it. You know what I mean? Like um, for the first time, the the person washing dishes uh, can set aside some of their the value they've created and have it actually endure, actually, uh, you know, actually be preserved for the future, as opposed to putting money in a savings account and. Finding out that the, the spending power of that money fifty years later is, you know, so much less than they ever imagined it would be. Uh, it's super. I just think it's really empowering for the re the regular person once once people begin to see it. So uh, it's a beautiful. Thing. Yeah, well, it, it, it banks the unbanked and the underbanked, yeah. which is all of us. Everybody has been, you know, in a bad position. Whether you're a really wealthy person or you're a really poor person, anywhere in between, everybody is taken advantage by the the financial system. Right. The financial system is predatory towards everybody. So in Bitcoin, everybody's got equal opportunity. And this is something that, we, you know, uh, it, historically, nothing like it's ever existed. And yeah. so, yeah, I'm really excited for the future. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. All right. So, hey, so if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way? Uh, you can reach me through chainbytes.com. That's uh, bytes with B-Y-T-E-E-S. Right. Um, that's the easiest way to reach me. You can find me on Twitter too. Um, okay. I'm uh, smiley gnome on Twitter. Uh, it's a little bit of a, I'm a bit of a troll on there, so don't mind me much. I like to, <laughs> I mean, Twitter is okay. my only outlet in the world, you know, outside of uh, Bitcoin and Bitcoin ATMs. But you know, uh, Twitter is a great place for finance and keeping on yeah. top of things that are happening in the Bitcoin world. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can re reach out. You can ask for me. Uh, you know, I'm the director of sales here at Chainbytes. I'm okay. more than happy to explain to you how these how this business works and how our Bitcoin ATMs work. Or you can talk to one of my fellow salespeople. Okay. All right, man. Hey, well, thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, everyone, uh, thank you for listening. And uh, until next time, take care, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you very much. All right.